Hello and welcome to the Wall Street Resource. This is Jeff Cohn and joining me is Francois Michelin. Uh, hello, Francois. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Good. Uh, a, a pleasure. Uh, so, so for those who are not familiar, Francois is the CEO of Endra Life Sciences. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, the company? You bet. So Endra Life Sciences is a healthcare technology company. We're traded on the NASDAQ under the symbol NDRA. We're based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, a small team of about 20 PhDs and scientists. And our mission is to visualize human tissue in ways similar to an MRI, but at 50 times lower cost, and very importantly, at the point of patient care. We're really focused on broadening access to better health care. Endra's developed a proprietary platform technology called Thermoacoustic Enhanced Ultrasound, when we typically refer to it as TEUS. And it has the potential to enhance the utility of the world's existing as well as future ultrasounds. Endra aims to target areas of high unmet clinical need. And our first application of this TAS technology is on detecting early stage liver disease. So I'm proud to so say we why got, liver? Yeah, so, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sorry. cut you off. I was just no, wondering no, no. No, you no, know, no, why no, liver? Sure. Is that the uh, mm-hmm. low hanging fruit or is it a big market or, or why liver? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, very simply, liver disease affects a lot of people. It's often asymptomatic, and there are no practical diagnostic tools. And more specifically, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, known as NAFLD, and its inflammatory stage known as NASH, are rooted in an excess accumulation of fat in the liver. And this metabolic inefficiency is driven by a range of factors that aren't going away, including lifestyle and obesity, genetics, Diabetes, hepatitis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and even gut bacteria are suspected of driving an excess fat in the liver. So it's definitely not limited to overweight people. And we estimate from public sources that about a billion and a half people globally have NAFLD and NASH, and most of them, unfortunately, don't even know it. Um, The sort of follow-on problem is that it can progress to some very serious life-threatening conditions, including cirrhosis, where the cells of your liver die, and cancer. And in fact, NAFLD and NASH are now overtaking hepatitis C as a primary root cause of liver transplants. So it's scary stuff, and it's tragic that if you catch it early enough, you can reverse it through lifestyle changes or some of the drugs that are on the horizon. But there's this bottleneck in the scenario where there's no practical diagnostic tool. So a lot of people have it. It can progress to some very bad stuff, uh, and there's no practical diagnostic tool. So it, it sounds like a lot of people uh, involved, but in terms of dollars, though, how big is your addressable market? Well, great question. If you look at it from who we're targeting as a company, a baseline of the addressable market really would be who are the people doing ultrasound scans of the liver today for other reasons. There are about 70 million ultrasound scans of the liver done today for things like gallstones, bowel gas, 
any number of conditions. So it's a very established clinical practice, but you can't directly and accurately measure liver fat with an ultrasound today. So we estimate in very rough numbers that there are about 20,000 sites globally that are coding and billing for abdominal and liver ultrasounds. And those sites include very large sites like the Mayo Clinic. They also include individual practitioners, you know, with just one or two doctors. But that baseline of about 20,000 established ultrasound liver focused clinicians is for us kind of the entry point as we guide ourselves to an addressable market. And if you do those 20,000 current users of ultrasound that we could enhance with our technology to start measuring liver fat for the first time, uh, and you multiply that out by the uh, individual cost of our technology, which is targeted to be around $50,000, you get a baseline addressable market of about a billion dollars. Now, I want to underscore a couple of things. That is just for those who are already doing ultrasounds who might want to enhance their ability to do more with our technology. It doesn't include all the doctors that aren't using ultrasound today that might be very interested in being able to measure fat, specifically hepatologists, the liver specialists, who today largely depend on uh, things like blood tests and liver biopsy to uh, assess and treat very advanced liver disease. But we think that there's quite a bit of upside to that. So I hope that's helpful in answering your question. Yes, very. So are docs going to use this in place of an ultrasound, or does it work along with it, or, or how does it uh yeah, great question. Great question. So let me perhaps step back a bit and say that today the only way you can accurately measure fat in the liver is using an MRI, magnetic resonance imaging, which is 2 to $3 million to buy. You have to build a lead-encased room around it. You have to have a very expert radiologist read it. Uh, it weighs five tons. I mean, you know, it's state-of-the-art, and it is the best thing for brain tumors or very advanced disease when you require the Ferrari of imaging. But it's just overkill and impractical and certainly not point of care for a disease that affects a billion and a half people. So it's not a good tool for that. And as you can imagine, as you have to monitor liver disease every six to 12 months, putting a billion people through the, an MRI is just completely economically as well as physically from an access perspective impossible. The other tool that can measure liver fat uh, is a liver biopsy. and That's where they put a large needle through your ribs and they aspirate a chunk of your liver. It's surgery. It's very painful. And there are considerable risks of internal bleeding. And so again, just like an MRI, but for other reasons, uh, liver biopsy is not a practical clinical tool for fatty liver measurement. So those tools tend to be used only for more advanced disease, cancer, cirrhosis, uh, or they tend to be used for endpoint measurement of results in clinical trials. But what the world really needs is that point of care, easy, safe tool for measuring fat in the liver, in your everyday doctor's office. And that's really what we're looking to do. And to answer your question specifically, uh, our technology in its first incarnation will 
be a small accessory product that will sit alongside the existing ultrasounds that are doing ultrasounds of the abdomen and the liver for the other reasons that I mentioned. Today you go into a doctor's office, they may do a, an ultrasound because you have abdominal distress or your blood liver enzymes have gone up, or you've got pain, they might think it's gallstones, and they, they're going to do an ultrasound. Why? Because it's cheap, it's easy, it's safe, they can do it right there. They can't measure liver fat, and our little box and our software will enable those users, and we estimate there are 350,000 or so ultrasounds that are cart-based being used for a number of different types of procedures that we could enhance with our liver and future applications of our technology around ultrasound. And if you get a, if a doc gets a positive, will the MRI or biopsy be the next step? Typically not. Assuming that the tool we have in our, our first in-human clinical trial was very, very encouraging in terms of sensitivity and specificity for liver fat measurement, there really wouldn't be a need to escalate to an MRI or biopsy. Uh, I think the only instances in which a clinician might want a much more advanced, complicated, and expensive procedure like an MRI or a biopsy is if they suspect something else, that in that ultrasound that they see, you know, a spot that could be cancer or something else that they really want to check. But as it relates to fat in the liver, an assessment of fatty liver disease, we hope that our tool is, uh, you know, the starting point and the ongoing monitoring tool that uh, is sufficient to monitor the, the patient as they either adopt lifestyle changes, which can be very beneficial, or in the near future as they uh, are prescribed some of the targeted therapies to reduce fat in the liver uh, and to monitor their, their progression on that therapy. So we don't think that we're going to be just a, an interim step to MRI. We hope to be the uh, primary solution for liver fat assessment. So it, it sounds like you, you do have some different and needed technology. Is it protected in any way? Well, yeah, we like to think so, uh, but we keep working very, very hard because we're never happy uh, sitting on what we have. We have had a long history of focusing on intellectual property, and so to date, uh, here as we sit in July of 2020, um, we have 72 intellectual property assets in our portfolio and growing. In fact, of the 20 people that I mentioned on our small high-value team, uh, we have a full-time patent agent. And we felt like that was a great investment. That person is a patent agent embedded with our scientists, able to translate all the new science and knowledge, uh, write it up, and submit it very effectively. And so, yeah, it's a huge focus for us. And I think our partners uh, like GE Healthcare, uh, our, our development and commercial partner, uh, the world leader in diagnostic imaging, recognize that we've got something special and that this is not a Me Too product. And so where are you in this process? Uh, you'd mentioned liver. Um, have you submitted, uh, well, I guess the regulatory pathway is a 510K. Assuming that, have you submitted it? So we've uh, received the CE European regulatory approval, which is the equivalent of the FDA approval, uh, but for Europe, we received the CE mark in Europe uh, in the first quarter. 
We're very, very excited about that. Europe's are going to be our first uh, commercial market here in the second half of 2020. And we're ramping up uh, a number of commercial elements while having also recently made our FDA submission um, just uh, at the end of June. Uh, and that typically takes several months. So we hope that in the U.S. we'll receive our um, FDA clearance by the end of this year. But in in the meantime, a lot of work, big markets in Europe uh, where our commercialization really involves three things. One, establishing clinical evaluation sites in each of the key target commercial markets, Germany, France, the UK, etc. These sites are going to help us build our base of clinical evidence. Right now, as is normal for our stage of a, of a med tech company, um, we have some very compelling but a small amount of uh, human data, and it's critical that we build that up over time uh, on a local basis. You know, German doctors like to see a German set of data from one of the clinicians in their country, just like the partnerships we have in the U.S. Um, with, for example, the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, a, a world-class liver center of excellence with whom we're doing a clinical evaluation. These sites are going to Number one, help us generate more data around our product. Uh, and number two, they're going to become uh, essential reference sites for the commercial team. So the second element commercially for us is to build out a small commercial team. We've been very, very capital efficient over the development period, partnering with engineering firms and making sure they keep our overhead low. And my goal Jeff, is to do a similar approach, hybrid approach in terms of commercialization by building out a small team of five people in Europe in our five markets to work alongside our GE Healthcare sales team and collaborate with them in the field so that I don't have to build out an army of salespeople and burn a whole bunch of cash. So that's element number two. The third element is maintaining a good cadence of high-quality marketing and education about our technology, about our progress, targeting our clinician customers. And those typically fall in radiology, the ultrasound customers that I, I mentioned to you. Uh, and GE is uh, generously introducing us to their installed base of ultrasound users. Uh, the hepatologists or the liver specialists who have increasingly become aware of our technology and are focused on catching liver disease as early as possible. And so several of the clinical evaluations, including University of Pittsburgh, are being led by hepatologists. Um, and then uh, endocrinology is another segment that we're targeting. Why? Because they're focused on obesity, uh, diabetes, and many of the root causes of liver disease. And so um, that for us is another uh, clinician target that we're very excited about. Okay. Um, in terms of partners, you mentioned GE. Are they going to be mm -hmm. marketing uh, in Europe and U.S., and do they have an exclusive or, or any other partners? Yeah, so um, GE Healthcare has been a partner of ours since 2016. We're, we're very proud to be associated with them. And our partnership that, that we've renewed several times since 2016 has involved their helping us, first of all, finalize the product as, as they've done. Uh, and now that it's CE approved, they're committed to helping introduce us to their uh, liver focused customers. So yeah, they're, they're going to be helping us in that manner. I mean, I can't think of a better partner 
um, that for a small company like Endra to be uh, uh, associated with. Um, and the ties with GE go back uh, many years. I, I worked uh, at GE seven and a half years. Our uh, founder and CTO, uh, Michael Thornton, sold his first successful business to GE, and we have recruited on our board of directors the retired uh, chief technology officer for the $19 billion uh, healthcare division, Michael Harsh. So a lot of trust uh, and understanding of how each company works. And they do have a one-year exclusivity on the um, liver application of Teus. Uh, so what's in it for them? Uh, what's in it for GE or any potential uh, future partner is really differentiation with a unique ability to measure liver fat, which is a hot and growing space. And as you can imagine, GE, uh, although they're the market leader, they're always looking to enhance their products relative to their competitors. And so we are one uh, potential tool to help them do that. But I do want to highlight and come back to one of the questions you had earlier, um, Jeff, which is, you know, liver and this liver application of Endra's technology is just the first application of this technology. Our thermoacoustic enhanced ultrasound can actually do quite a few other non-liver related things, and I'd love to kind of explain that a little bit when you, when you have a, a minute. Yeah, and, yeah, go ahead, but, but also for those other applications, will they require a different box or just a, a different uh, FDA? Uh, yeah, great, the, uh, great question. K? So, yeah, great question. Um, so they will not require necessarily a different box, although over time we're certainly going to um, cost and size reduce that box that you can see in our website and our investor presentation. But um, our, our business model really is to start out with this first hardware accessory that enables greater utility in the ultrasounds that are out there today with the liver software on it. As we bring out new clinical applications, and you're absolutely right, each of those will require its own regulatory path. Um, but each of those software can reside and will likely reside on that box. So we will have an, a recurring uh, software and software maintenance revenue stream, as well as associated disposables that we're exploring to enhance uh, the imaging of various tissues over time. And then finally, as we've disclosed several times, um, our goal, Jeff, is really to license this technology. So we're starting out with an accessory. We're going to prove that it works, that there's clinical interest and uptake. But our goal is not to stay in the hardware and box business very long. It's really to license our technology, to build it in, a little bit like Intel inside in a computer, we want to build our technology into the ultrasounds of tomorrow, the new ones, just the, like 3D or Doppler, or any of the features that you see on an ultrasound today are just a button. They started out typically as a separate technology from a little company like Endra, and they eventually adopted and built into the new ultrasounds. That's Endra's goal. So what else can we do besides measuring fat in the liver? One of the very compelling things that we can do as a next clinical application in software is show interventional radiologists, oncologists, and cardiologists tissue temperature change in real time during energy-based surgical procedures. And 
What I mean by that is today there are millions of procedures that are performed where a needle or a catheter is inserted into a patient. It's used to either kill a tumor, to perform an atrial fibrillation procedure, to dull a nerve for pain management, all sorts of reasons. But that heat or that cold that is applied in the procedure is typically done along and guided by academic models of how hot or cold deposits into different types of tissue. So literally, you have surgeons who you know, will put a needle in and uh, heat up uh, an area of tissue, and they have guidelines that say you, you do this with this size needle for this long at this power, and you kind of, you know, it, it works, but it's not very precise. They don't see in real time where the heat or the cold is going into the tissue, and that surprised me. So they could overtreat, undertreat, they could potentially get close to sensitive cardiac tissue. And we can show them in real time where the heat or the cold is going. And we're completely agnostic to the energy source or to the temperature direction, but very similar to weather radar, if you want to think about it that way. We can overlay over the state of New York or the state of Florida a picture of the heat just like you would with rain or lightning or a thunderstorm. And I think that's very compelling. So that's a completely different application. And that would be targeting surgeons and uh, partnerships with manufacturers that make the interventional and guided surgery and energy-based surgical products. So that's just an, another example of our technology. Uh, uh, is that a 2021 submission? So I think typically um, we could look to that probably uh, coming uh, closer to reality in 2022. And I think part of our focus, Jeff, as a company is staying focused. Um, you know, one, we've been very capital efficient, as I mentioned. Two, uh, we've also uh, believed that, you know, we don't want to be like a Swiss Army knife and put out too many um, applications too quickly and kind of have them be a B minus for everything. So we really want to do a, an A plus job in the liver, focus our resources there. We think it's a huge market with a lot of potential. Uh, but then find the right partner to help us develop the next application, perhaps one of those guided surgery manufacturers, and I won't name them by name, but you know, they're household names out there that, are, that have that equipment, and, um, and then have them uh, work with us to develop that technology. And I think typically that's a 18 to 24 month development cycle to bring it to the state of regulatory submission. So I think 2022 is realistic. Um, very, very interesting. So you're already a, a small company going after a pretty large market. Are you manufacturing this yourself or is it outsourced? Yeah, for now we have done uh, along the same lines that I mentioned in terms of our asset light model. Um, we're partnering with a contract manufacturer, um, our partner Starfish Medical, which is a well-known Canadian uh, engineering and short-run manufacturing company, is uh, poised to do the manufacturing for us. And we feel like they have both the knowledge of our product and the volume capabilities to support that without our building out a, uh, a massive manufacturing infrastructure. So uh, you've touched on it a little bit, but can you just expand upon your, your revenue model? Yeah, so the, the revenue model 
starts with the uh, accessory that I mentioned that enhances the utility of ultrasound. Uh, in the first incarnation, it will include the liver software to gauge liver fat. And over time, building to add new applications of our TAIS technology with new software, uh, temperature measurement to guide surgery, uh, and others that we have in our investor materials that you can see. But basically, adding more software to that box, uh, bringing online disposables that enhance the imaging of those tissues uh, over multiple applications. You could imagine a small gel pad, for example, used to um, uh, you know, enable a better image of our technology in the human body, similar to the gels that are used today um, for ultrasound. And then uh, finally, the end point, as I mentioned, is uh, licensing of the technology. So building our technology, a small hardware module uh, and or uh, software into other manufacturers' products like an ultrasound uh, and really driving towards that goal. So it's multiple clinical applications of TAIS, scaling along with a, a proportional scaling of revenue streams across hardware, the accessory product, software, disposables, and licensing. Very nice. And and in terms of getting going, is there already a, a reimbursement code? There is not. Uh, it's not unusual, and we certainly you know know the playbook to uh, to get to a dedicated reimbursement code. Um, what we're fortunate to hear from our clinician advisors is that because we enhance the utility of ultrasound, which is in, uh, reimbursed, we're able to. Um, increase the utilization of their existing ultrasound. So those millions of ultrasound procedures that we mentioned to you that are being done today for other reasons can be done today and are reimbursed. And as clinicians buy our equipment and continue to do ultrasounds of the liver, which are reimbursed, they can subsidize the use of our product through that base ultrasound very, very interestingly. And we think the payback model typically is around six months based on uh, normal ultrasound use of the product. And what, what I mean by that is you have a, a, a patient who comes in to see a clinician. He or she may determine they need an ultrasound of the liver. Um, they perform that ultrasound as they would today to determine whether they have gallstones or some other problem. And then they may offer the TAIS Endra technology as a non-reimbursed procedure with either a contribution from the patient of $20 or $30, as I find pretty common whenever I go to the doctor. Um, but then if they do find fatty liver uh, with our technology, that patient has to come back every 6 to 12 months. And so now you've got a, a new uh, recurring and very legitimate revenue stream of an approved product uh, that is not yet reimbursed but that is complementing an approved and reimbursed ultrasound-based procedure. And so I think the economics work in a very compelling manner for a product like Andrews, which, as I mentioned, is around $50,000. Uh, the economics would not work in that manner for a much more expensive product, but the economic value proposition makes sense until we get a um, reimbursement code uh, on that basis. Very good. Um, so anything I've failed to ask before we go or, or any uh Closing remarks as to why Indera uh, is, uh, is a great place to put money. Well, no, listen, thanks. I, I, I just 
hope that uh, you know the enthusiasm and energy that I, I've uh, hopefully demonstrated on your call uh, is palpable to our listeners. Uh, I've been involved with Andrew since 2015, um, and you know the, the compelling intersection of uh, IP-backed technology, uh, a strong. Uh, set of people associated with the technology with Stanford, University of Pittsburgh, GE, and a host of other people that you can see in our investor materials, and a large target market that is uh, initially liver, but um, scalable with Andrews technology that is a platform. To me, those are the elements of a successful little business. Uh, and I might add that we have no debt on our balance sheet, which is uh, pretty remarkable as well. So I think you have this asset-light company going after some very big markets with a scalable technology and some very smart people, and I'll leave it at that. So it, it sounds like I, I caught you at a really interesting time. Instead of waiting for development, and that always takes longer than expected. It sounds like you're <laughs> nearing the, the revenue ramp phase. We are. It, it'll happen uh, this half. Uh, it's a great inflection point, uh, and we're always happy to uh, gain exposure through good channels like yours, Jeff. Uh, I think, you know, the, as you point out, development takes a while. Um, but getting, uh, for me, from concept to prototype to successful clinical trial, regulatory approval in Europe, and now starting to commercialize this summer uh, is such an exciting time that uh, I hope that your listeners will also um, find the, the, the value proposition compelling. Yes, well, Francois, thank you so much for taking the time to share the story. Thank you so much, Jeff. Bye-bye.